Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross the line from leading with their head to leading with their heart, and from leading with their heart to leading with their head. Today is a bonus podcast. I'm having a conversation with my daughter, Lauren, who is married to her husband, Will, and who lives in Atlanta, where they are entrepreneurs and run a startup. But that's not why I invited Lauren to talk on this show. I invited Lauren on this show because I wanted to hear her perspective as a 30-something-year-old uh, and also as someone who takes a different view than I do about a very important subject that we all have been dealing with lately, and that is politics. You know, I, I think that uh, relationships are struggling today uh, between the, the pandemic, between the social unrest, and now politics. It's just been an incredible strain, I think, on, on a lot of relationships. So I've asked my daughter, Lauren, who have, has had a, a wonderful relationship uh, with me, and I've had a great relationship, wonderful relationship with her uh, for many, many years, to come on the show and talk about something that we disagree on, quite frankly. Uh, she uh, resides on one side of the political line. I reside on the other. But we love each other. And we've navigated difficult things before, and we are navigating this. Now, I want to tell you, uh, as we start this podcast, we don't have all the answers. Lauren doesn't have all the answers. Uh, but we do have love for each other. We do have respect for uh, our relationship. So I thought, why not have a hard conversation about what to do when people you love disagree with your politics? It was a fun conversation. Uh, it was insightful. I actually learned some things, and, and I'm so uh, glad and, and thankful that Lauren was willing to jump in here and, and take a risk because, rest assured, you know, we're a, a family like everyone else, and and in, in family, there certainly are different points of view. So she she jumped in and, and was willing to talk a bit about hers at the risk maybe of offending some family members. And I know that's a, a huge deal uh, for all of us. But I think she did a great job of... Um, of having this conversation with dad and had uh, just grace as we walk through this. So I appreciate that very much. And uh, so basically, guys, this is just a conversation between dad and daughter who disagree. Let's jump into that conversation now. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. She's smiling because it's somewhere along our journey. I always tell the story. You know this, Lauren. Lauren decided to change her name as an adult. As we talk about relationships and the importance of that, um, no guilt at all here, La, but she, she changed her name to Ren, R-E-N, which is a fine name. It's a, it's a nice name. But I, we named her Lauren. So it, and my name is Larry. So I'm always hurt by that. And maybe, maybe that's how we need to start this whole podcast is talking about the hurt I feel about being kicked out of your life, yeah. and your name and, you know, I think that's a great segue because I think it really gives us an opening to talk about respecting the decisions that people make for themselves <laughs> yes. and not taking yes. it personally when people right. maybe do something that's not what you would do, but it's the right thing for them. And yes, honoring their decision, a, honoring their decision, honoring especially for our adult children <laughs> who are adults and have been adulting out of your house for a while now. So 
Yeah. I love it. Yes. Yeah, what a great that. way to start this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, seriously, for doing this, Lauren. I know it's not, um, I know it's not, you know, the easiest thing in the world when dad asks you to, to help, but I needed you. I needed your perspective because the truth is, talked about it a bit in the intro. We have a great relationship. We've had a strong relationship uh, for a long, long, long time. And, and we, um, we don't agree on everything, obviously. Um, but we have, we have navigated waters together through the years. And uh, so this, this podcast is more about picking your brain. I, I feel like our relationship is in a place we can do that and hopefully help some others, because I think it's really important from a leadership perspective, um, from a relationship perspective uh, to figure this thing out, because uh, there are hard things in life that, that tr encompass trap um, that um, make relationships toxic and right. So right now, uh, you know, of course, one of the biggest things that, that we're aware of, because it's hitting us in the face, um, not only do we have a pandemic, not only do we have, you know, civil discourse and, and, and tragedies around that, but, but now we have an election that's incredibly polarizing. Right. And so well, and all of those things have been politicized, probably in large part due to the election as well. So it's not just a pandemic. It's like, how does your political party feel about the pandemic and how do other, you know, it's just, it's all sort of, it all, yeah, getting all mixed up together. It all exacerbates it, the whole, the whole relationship thing. And and I think that's why we see from the counseling world, what they tell me and, and you know, I think data supports is that anxiety levels are up. Um, you know, I think yes. relationships are strained. I know in our, practice on the counseling side we're we're seeing you know as many people as we possibly can our therapists are burning out because they're working so much so anyway all of those things lead to uh what you know this is just hard and and let let's start by that and you know we we talked about it a little bit on the intro but um from our perspective you have from a political standpoint a, a viewpoint I have a viewpoint and I want us to talk about that. It's not the same. We, we are, we are different in our views in terms of the political scene, but mm -hmm. somehow um, we have managed to not let that derail a relationship. So I want right. to, I want to talk and we don't have all the answers. I blow it very regularly and know we're close to a perfect dad. Um, but, I, but I do think, we've we've made mistakes and we've learned and i think experience and time the timeline kind of speaks for itself we've had a great relationship uh, through some hard times and good times and struggles and all that but for for a very long time but yeah. why is this thing so hard lauren well you know i mean it feels like boundaries between politics and personal relationships is getting harder and harder and thinning and thinning and thinning all of a sudden everything is personal everything is personal what is that about from your perspective yeah. you know I don't know where, I don't know why it's so hard right now. It feels really hard. I know that I've only been alive for, I'm 30 now. So I've been alive for 30 years. I've really only been uh, voting. I mean, I guess for like less than half of that since I was 18. So, but, but still, even so this, and I've talked to people who are older than me, who are your age and in their seventies and eighties and asked them like, does this feel more difficult to you than past elections. And of course, every, the pendulum swings and everyone thinks that the thing they're going through is the hardest thing that's ever happened. But I have had a lot of people tell me, uh, this feels particularly difficult right now. Like this, this season that we're in a lot of us individually, but just like globally and as a country feels difficult and it's so divisive. I think that's probably, you know, it's, 
yeah, me and you have different views, but we also have a really strong relationship. You're my father that, you know, counts or something, but it's not just a, you know, parent child thing. It's like everyone I interact with from my clients to my friends, to other family members that I also love, but am, am having a harder time having, you know, uh, civil conversations with on a regular basis. Like it's like everywhere you turn, there's this shadow of, Oh gosh, like, who do you think they voted for? Like, where do you think they stand on this issue? Like, can I bring this up? Can I bring that up? Um, especially I've, I've lived in, I lived in Seattle for the last three or four years of my life. I moved to Atlanta about a year ago. So being in the South, it's a different dynamic for sure. Um, mm. yeah. So it's been, it's just been a, yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard. And I think that's why just like to be totally transparent about it. When you first brought up like, Oh, we should do this podcast and talk about, you know, politics going into the holidays with your family and how do you deal with that? And I am definitely the, uh, uh, the black sheep of my family. Like I'm the kind of outlier of my extended family when it comes to my political views. Um, and you said that, and we were on a, we were on a call with like several other people that are not related to me. And I was just like, okay, let's do that. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. We can do that. And then I sat down to start preparing for it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can't talk about politics and family. It's just too much. And I realized like, it is, it is something that I am in the middle of struggling with right now. It is something that I do not have a lot of, you know, uh, (laughs) wisdom or insight to give people, but I do think that it's worth having the conversation because I think so many other people are also about to go into the holidays and kind of going like, how's this going to go? Like, what's going to happen? Do we talk about it? Do we not? Do we, you know, do we invite certain people? Do we not? How do we deal with this right now? And so I think the fact that I'm just, I can't be the only one that feels this way, um, makes it worth talking about, makes it a conversation worth having. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, it is hard. It, it, it's a hard conversation to have. It, and it's it's probably as hard as it is for us, it's probably easier for us than it is for an awful lot of other people. You, you know, and I think right. it it is it is a personal thing. And, um, uh, you know, I think that that your perspective is is different. But your friends, you know, do they are they experiencing this the same polarization and you not from each other, but like from, from a different generation or from family member or from the different, um, geographical, you know, um, a differentiation. Yeah. 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 Honestly, a lot of my friends, I, you know, I don't want to like blanket statement, any, like make any sweeping generalities, but a lot of my friends who were my age feel similarly to me, uh, politically and in terms of, you know, other things that have been politicized that probably shouldn't be. Um, and, and, and their parents probably align more closely with you. So that's the other reason I think this is a conversation worth having. I've talked to my cousins. I've talked to my friends who friends that I've grown up with friends that I've become friends with as an adult friends that are here in the South and friends that are, uh, you know, in other parts of the country. And a lot of them are dealing with this. It does seem to be a bit generational, although I know there are people my age who are on the other end of things than I am. And I know there are people your age who are on the other end of things than you are. But I think it it does just, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. It feels like politics used to be a thing that like, you could kind of just, you don't talk about, it's like your weight or religion or something. And you kind of maybe know where people stand, but you also just, it's not a big deal. And now it seems like it's become so polarized and it's become so like, well, if you're a Democrat, 
then you believe this is what you believe. And I know who you are because I know that you voted for this person. And so I'm going to make all these assumptions about you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the conversations almost never really even happen. You just go into them with these assumptions about who the other person is. Um, Even people that you know really well and and have known for a long time, it, it becomes this like easy label to put on someone and go, well, like, you start from there from assuming things instead of from a place of asking questions. Um, so I don't, yeah, I think it's been hard. I don't think I'm alone in it. I think it's been hard for everybody. I think it's been hard for, I've seen y'all struggle. I've seen some of my parents struggle more than others with, you know, just they with believing something and feeling very passionately about something and then having someone that you really love and care for, um, feel differently about it. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I think that that scenario has played out over and over and over again in America. I want to kind of let's stay up 30,000 feet for just a minute because, you know, the, the thing that I see differently this year, perhaps that I haven't I haven't felt in my time uh, as an adult in voting um, of elections is fear. Uh, I, I, there is a lot of fear in it right now. Um, and, and of course, you know, once you, you figure this out, okay, our side lost, your side won, whatever. Um, there was anger, there was, there was frustration, which that I have felt before. I felt anger. I felt frustration at least. I don't, I don't know necessarily about anger, but frustration, Hey, you know, what in the world, how, what are we going to do? Yeah. We're going to have to deal with this now. But then the next, the, the, that fear factor is so real. And I don't quite understand that. It, it, what, where's that coming from? Is that because of social media, um, because of more exposure or are people, are, are they really being, I mean, it's just a more violent, volatile time. What, what are you seeing? Yeah. I, I think the fear thing is really interesting too. There was a survey that where they asked, uh, you know, people on both political sides, how would you feel if your party lost this election? This is before the election we're recording after, but the survey was done before the election. And the, the answers were things like frustrated and afraid or yeah, frustrated and angry, which frustrated and angry. I get like, I feel like those are kind of normal feelings when you're, when your person loses. Uh, but fear was another one that came up a lot. Like I would feel afraid and that is indicative of a bigger problem to me. I do think it's, it's interesting. I have, I guess, um, somewhat of a unique perspective because like I said, I was in Seattle and being in Seattle, every, you know, there was a lot of consensus around how people felt and believed politically. And it was really easy to just be like, yeah, Hey, this is how we, you know, you didn't really have to wonder, like, I wonder how they feel about Trump versus Biden or any of these things. You could kind of make an assumption. But the other thing that was happening um, in Seattle is they were making these sweeping assumptions about Republicans and about how people on the other side felt and believed and acted. And they're things that you know, the people I love most in the world are my family and they're Republicans. (laughs) So I was talking to my, my more uh, left-leaning democratic friends in Seattle and they were like, man, these Republicans, they're just, they, they're, you know, being violent and causing like doing, and and I know that on the other side, the other side is being told the same thing. So, and, and I'm coming from a place of like, but I know these people and they're not like that. Like I know, you know, there's always these outliers, but I had to have this whole like reckoning of, you know, this is what I'm being told. Someone who votes this way is, this is who I'm being told they are and what they do and what they believe in. That's not what I see. That's not who I know. Those aren't the people, like the actual human beings that I know and have known for a long time. That's not who they are. Um, 
but I had exposure to that. Like I, I was living in Seattle, but, and have a lot of friends and business still in Seattle, but have friends and family who are from the, uh, you know, I don't want to make it a geographic thing. Cause as we've seen <laughs> geography, yeah. isn't quite as, you know, anyway, my point is, I think that it is really easy to see what we see, what, what people are telling us and be afraid of the other side. But I, you, you always have to remember that they're just people. They're just people like you are. Yeah. Like we're all just people and we all have our own set of values that we're making decisions from. And most of us are making decisions because we have values. Our values might not be the same, but we're making those decisions because we come from a place of wanting to do the right thing for us and our family, not because we're coming from a place of, you know, hatred or anger or anything like that. And I do think that's where fear can become dangerous is when we start making decisions out of fear, Mm -hmm. out of being afraid of the other side. Um, or of, you know, the other, the other, basically just being afraid of the other. I do think that's where things start to fall apart. I think that's where relationships start to fall apart. I think that's where a lot of things start to fall apart. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think you're right. Uh, I really do. I think that when we allow ourselves to act out of fear, it, it causes us to begin to make assumptions, right? And when we begin to make assumptions, then we lose the personal that relationship. We, we depersonalize. If I can right. make a generic assumption about all Democrats or all Republicans, right. then I can put them in a category that feeds my fear and allows me to have this black and white answer to, to everything. And it causes me to take the personal relationship piece, the personal perspective piece. I don't have to deal with that because I've made an, an assumption based on fear. And even though it could be um, wrong, irrational, whatever, it's still allows me to, 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 to say I can now categorically, you know, have my opinion and all of those other people fall into that category, which is the temptation, right. I think. But you, I do want to touch on something else that you said, you mentioned social media. And that I think is something that is so important to talk about right now. I think most people, uh, it's become so much a part of our lives, but it did it in a very sneaky way where all of a sudden now a lot of us spend so much time and we get so much of our information from these social media platforms and from the news media as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's different. That is very different than the world was 10 years ago, five oh, years yeah. ago, even. Yeah. The, and I think it's, it's interesting. I can compare it to um, when I was working at the Enrichment Center, which is a nonprofit that Eagle supports. Um, they, they put mental health counselors into schools to work with kids. And one of the interesting things that's happening, why that's even more necessary today than it ever was before is because kids all have phones and there's no escape, like the bad things that used to, if you were getting picked on at school, if you were getting bullied at school, you used to be able to go home and have a a respite from that. Right. Don't anymore. It's constantly with you. And so that's bad for, that was bad for those kids, mental health. I think we're seeing sort of the same thing. Like we're just being bombarded. I don't think most of us really realize how much time we spend consuming uh, negative information, whether it's true or not. I mean, some of it's probably based in fact, and like, I'm not saying you shouldn't be informed. I am saying a lot of us see things and take them at face value, um, especially on our social media sites. And I think it's bad for us. I think it's really bad for us to be every, you know, every, hour even every couple minutes we're checking in and getting reinforced that like this terrible thing is happening this terrible thing is happening this terrible thing is happening and that'll really that'll really screw with your head yeah i think that's the other thing that is so different right now 
and and your your generation um you know is is way more proficient at using social media my generation is way more proficient at taking social media and believing everything we read and saying, Oh, well, if it's on social right. media, it must be true. <laughs> and, well, uh, Cause my generation understands how easy it is to create. Like we, we understand that the internet is full of lies because, we, because we grew up with it and we grew up, you know, putting our own lies onto it and stuff like that. I think your generation did grow up with more of the idea that the news is where you get your information right. from. It's where you get your facts and your truth from. Social media and the news media are two different things, but notice they're both media. Like they're they're both uh, ways to make money, and the way that you make money is getting more eyeballs, and the way you get more eyeballs is sensationalizing things and making things more entertaining, if not accurate or truthful. Um, and that's just something that you know, because of my business and the work that I do, I have a little bit more insight into how a lot of these media platforms work than right. some people, and I can understand how harmful they can be and, and what they're like, you know, their goal is not to give you good information. Their goal is not to inform you. Their goal is to make money. Well, you said something a minute ago that I want to go back to because your husband and you and myself were having a conversation. You, and uh, we were talking about social media and the news. And I made a a comment um, around, I I don't trust anybody. I can't trust the news. And I remember uh, Will, your husband, said, you know, that's, that's really sad. And you said, that's, it's really scary um, because they're, they're predispositioning a whole group of people, a whole generation, even greater than that to say, we no longer have the Walter Cronkites that we believe are unbiased. We believe, you don't even know who that is probably, but an old Walter Cronkite. Oh, look at her. There's yeah. the girl. But I think, I do think that we need to, you know, that, that we, we've got to figure that out because social media is so impactful and influential. I think that it, we are, we are we mixing that kind of together with the news and we have a right. hard time discerning what's news and what's social media, what's news and what's, I mean, cognitively we know, but I think emotionally we want to, we want to mix that in. And, and as you, you know, try to get some, some uh, unbiased news, it's a very, you, get, you know, try it. It's, it's almost impossible. Uh, in, it's very in the difficult. Day. Yeah. Well, I think that I, I honestly, oh, my, oh, my ear pods are falling out. Um, I think that we as a society have not done a good job of teaching ourselves and teaching, you know, kids when they're in school, how to think critically. That is a skill. Critical thinking is a skill that you can learn and you can develop and you can hone. Um, and I think we don't do a good job of teaching people how to take information, read it, identify what is likely bias and what is likely fact. And of course, you never people could just be straight up lying, but we have to operate with some modicum of general trust in society or else we all fall apart. So you have to be able to read it and identify like, okay, this is, he's saying it this way because he's biased, but if he's giving me this, it's probably a fact. And so how do I, how do I fact check that further? How do I look into this further? How do I take two or three or four different sources and compare them all and then use that to aggregate what I can myself determine right. to be truth. <laughs> and that's a skill and it's, and it takes work and it takes there effort and it's, you know, it, it takes time, but it's also how we make informed decisions. So. Uh, you're, you're right. So, so let's bring it back in. Cause I want to, I want to pick your brain about this and watching our time someone you really love, someone you really care about, um, has a different view on, on politics. Uh, it could be religion. It could be politics. 
but, but how in the world do we approach that relationship? How do we know when to um, agree to disagree? And I know you don't have all the answers, but I just want you to kind of share with us your thought process because it'll help us. I think it'll help us all to hear from you. Um, how do we get these relationships um, in a healthy place so that, so that we can continue to, to be with and, 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 and have a relationship with those people we truly love? How, how do you do that? Yeah. I think you have to start by identifying the relationship that you're talking about and, and figuring out like, okay, is this, you know, is it one of my close intimate relationships? Are we talking about like a parent or a child or a spouse or a best friend, or is it someone who I care for and respect, but isn't, you know, necessarily, and, you know, a acquaintance, a coworker, um, a boss, uh, someone that you work with or run into or go to church with or something like that. Like, I do think that you have to take a different approach depending on the relationship equity that you've built up with that person, Mm. basically. Um, and you know, I think I like generally, I think with most of my people that are not in my very innermost circle, um, at this point, my strategy is just like live and let live kind of, you know, like I, I, I don't, I think we can all just kind of agree to go about our lives and, and respect the way that other people feel, um, and move on, you know, like you're talking about pre COVID days, of course, when you used to get together with family, like at Thanksgiving, um, right. right? Um, but I, I think seriously, I think that, that it's something to, to think about in the holiday season because people will be getting together. And, um, how do you address, if you're in a family that is politically um, yeah. you know, aligned in a different direction than you are, and, and maybe it's you and two or three cousins or you and, and, and your husband and, you know, I don't know. Um, what's the right thing to do there? H- how do we handle these holiday yeah. times when there's, when there's dissension? I hoping you would tell me that I'm nervous. Like I'm nervous about going to Thanksgiving <laughs> with the family this year. I'm already just like, Oh man. Um, I do think that first of all, like I am, well, here, I'll tell you what I'm doing personally to prep for it. I am off of social media right now. Um, I've been off of it for a little bit and I'm going to continue to stay off of it through the holiday season. Because like I said earlier, if I really want to prioritize my relationships and Mm. also my own mental health, Mm. um, I'm still reading the news every now and then, but I'm trying to limit it. And, and I'm off of social media because I realized that what I was seeing on social media did not make me think positively and happily about my family. And also the things I was sharing was not supportive towards my relationship with my immediate family members either. Um, so I think that's one thing that we can, even if it's just like the couple days before you go into Thanksgiving or even that's the day great. before limit your, yeah. limit your social media. Um, I think just being very intentional about going into that gathering or those conversations, knowing that like, just, just like knowing that my goal here is to walk away from this interaction with them trusting me more. Uh, not with like a verbal victory and not to, mm. obviously not to change their mind. I don't know if it needs to be said, but you can't change people's minds by arguing with that's them. Right. Like that's not going to happen. And so you have to think if I'm going to go into this gathering where I already am like a little nervous and know that I believe differently, how am I going to deal with that? Um, and for me, knowing that like my goal is to go in and walk out with our relationship, feeling a little closer and a little more trusting. That's my goal. So you know, some, some people I think, um, 
I think there are people out there who have the kind of families that can just like, they avoid things and don't talk about them. That is not how our family is. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't know if you've noticed that (laughs) our family is more of a like, well, let's put it all out there and like get to the, you know, let's talk about it, especially because I tend to be the, you know, the minority. So I'm an easy, like, it's kind of easy to, uh, I don't want to say like gang up on me, but you know, like it's an easy, you're an easy target. I'm I'm an easy target. Um, so I have like a couple of things prepped that I know, like a couple of little conversation derailers that if someone does, if, you know, especially when we're talking about Thanksgiving and we're talking about not necessarily, again, your very intimate relationships, but your cousins, aunts, uncles, things like that. Um, yeah, I usually have some kind of like, you know, Santa's watching and we can't talk go. about politics right now because don't want to get in trouble this close to Christmas um, type of things to sort of defer. And if they push, it's sort of it's sort of like, you know what, this is actually would really love to hear your opinion on this. But can we talk about it later when it's just the two of us, when the whole family isn't around? I love um, that. Yeah, I think now whether you actually want to talk about it with them later or not is another thing but right, right. at least being able to kind of defer the conversation to a less you know uh heated or potentially volatile moment i think well but, and in and in doing so you are actually loving your family because you're not allowing that that difference of opinion um to derail the relationship and and by right. honoring them you're you know you i love the fact that you are thinking about this and being intentional about it um instead of just parachuting into the to the gatherings okay here we go you know without without giving mm-hmm. it some some forethought i think that's really brilliant and, and helpful to you know to all of us what about those people let's go uh, let's peel this onion back one more layer now you know, there, there are people out there, um, you know, we've had a great relationship for years that we started early on and, and we've been able to talk about hard things and disagree and, mm-hmm. and it not affect our relationship. But that's, uh, that's something we've been working on for a very long time. Um, yeah. what about people though, who say, you know, I, I haven't had a great relationship with my, with my child and my adult child or with my spouse or whatever, it's been, it's been difficult. And now this, here is this, this political mess just on top of that. Um, is that, can they even survive this in your opinion? I mean, is there something that you can, as you think through from your perspective, what would you say to that adult child who is, has, you know, they've already been struggling with their parents, but yeah, they want to have a happy holiday. I mean, come on, they want to have a good Thanksgiving, yeah. a good Christmas. I think if you are already kind of don't have a strong relationship with someone like that, then it's, I would say just a politics is not something if you disagree that you need to dive into. I, but the thing that I think is hard about this time right now is we have people that we are really close to that. We've had great relationships with our whole lives that, you know, we love dearly and have had lots of connection with and, Um, and this seems to be something that's like driving a wedge or it's become this very divisive thing, even for people who have had great, like a great foundation of a relationship. Um, I think that's what is even harder than people who know, like, okay, I know I don't have a great relationship with my dad. So I'm going to like stud, like step carefully on, on this topic. Um, and those are, I think that's where, and, you know, I honestly think you have more insight into this than I do, because I think where I keep coming to is like, well, is the right approach just boundaries? Like, don't talk about it, avoid it. Um, 
which has its own sort of sadness because it means that you are having to distance yourself from that relationship a bit. If you can't talk about things that are important to you and that are relevant to you and that you really care about, you know, does that devalue the relationship a bit? Is the answer, we're just going to like put on our gloves and, and fight it out and, you know, see if, you know, with the idea that if you really have a strong relationship, it can withstand that kind of uh, disagreement and conflict and come out stronger on the other side? Or is it a, you know, we're just going to, we're going to be open and honest about how we feel, but we're going to agree to disagree um, and move on. But, you know, some people can't do that. Like, especially with topics like what we're talking about, it's so personal and so important to people. Um, Now, whether it's actually that important or not, I don't know, but it's very important to people. So agreeing to disagree, sometimes it seems like a good idea, but sometimes it's not a realistic option. Um, And I would love to get your thoughts on how do you know how to navigate those kinds of relationships? Well, well, you know, I think, first of all, there's no three tips or two points. It's going to, it's going to, you know, do it for everybody. I I think that when you honor the relationship um, over anything, over the politics or or whatever, um, and, and me as a person of faith, it goes back to, I feel, I feel obligated um, because of my faith to, to say, I want to honor the person. And even if I disagree with them, even if I totally, so I have to check myself. And then the boundary is, Hey, we can have a hard conversation. Um, if, if you would like, if you give me permission and I give you permission, the problem with that is, and that, that sounds really good and everything, but very few people have the emotional EQ to do that, to enter into these hard conversations especially right. around the holidays, especially if, you know, things, you can, now you're going to have a glass of wine and you know, that gets involved or whatever. Um, so I, I think the, the, the right thing to do is to examine yourself. I think I have to look at my motive and who, why am I um, wanting to have these conversations with, with others who are, who, you know, it may be difficult. What, what's my purpose? What, what is my goal? What do I want to get? Mm-hmm. If it's about my ego, you know, yeah. then I've got to check that at the door. I'm in the wrong place. You know, if it's, and once again, I go back and say it again, you know, as a person of faith, it's about servant leadership. It's about listening. It's about listening to understand. It's about um, empathy. It's about mm-hmm. having hard conversations. Doesn't mean, you know, I'm just going to be an ass. I'm just going to, you know, tell you what I think. And I don't really care if you like it or not. I'm just going to tell you about, you know, that's not, that's not having, you know, hard, that, that is nothing that you being ridiculous it's being, it's being, you know, you're just, you know, you're just being a total ass and that's not okay. But if it's two people who truly want to listen and truly want to hear and give each other permission to say hard things, that's a different thing, right? Um, so I think when we when we enter into the these family times, you got to be honest with yourself. What do I want to get out of it? Where's the the emotional intelligence in my family? If I know that they're not um, that there's not a lot of EQ there, uh, I'm not going to engage that. I'm not going to, if they ask my opinion, I'm going to deflect just like you taught us to do. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great, it's a brilliant thing. And and you have a way to deflect the conversation because first of all, you're only going to be with them a short amount of time. Uh, if you're, if we're talking the holidays, if you're talking about somebody you live with somebody, then you're going to have to set different kind of boundaries. You're going to have to set boundaries that, that say, you know, the, these topics are not, we're just not going to talk, but we can write down your thoughts and I'll write down my thoughts and we can swap and read them and, and talk that way or, or then communicate after we have some time. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the problem is when you enter into these kind of discussions, people get defensive really, really quick and they get personal really. And so when that happens, um, then they begin to react and instead of respond. And when that happens, the emotions drive the behavior. And when that happens, 
you know, the relationship explodes or implodes. So it's about being self-aware, understanding what you're going to do when you go into these relationships, how are you going to, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? Um, Even if you feel like you're a hundred percent right, um, doesn't give you the, the, the right um, to dominate, dictate, um, manipulate. Uh, it, it just doesn't. Even right. if you think you're 100% right and they're 100% wrong, right or wrong has nothing to do with respect. If I believe that you have, for instance, fully, I think, you know, um, Lauren has thought this thing through on her politics. She's, she is, you know, she's a good thinker. I disagree with her logic. I disagree with where she landed but I honor her right to think and I honor her right to, to, to be able to make those decisions. And it's, you know, it's exactly what I wanted for, for, for my daughter is her to be able to do that and hear her, you know, her faith, um, uh, hear from others that she trusts hear and, and think from, from the political senior take all of these factors in and then make a decision. Wow. So that, that, you know, to me is way more important than, uh, being on the right side politically, I realize I'm not in probably the majority on that maybe, but I think we still have to ask the question. Um, do you honor the person, the relationship more than you want to be right on the politics? And that's where right. it comes down. I'm not willing to sacrifice a relationship for being right. I'm not willing right. to do that. So I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah. I think that's actually, I think what I'm realizing just by hearing you talk is that, you know, most of this doesn't have to do with your tactics or strategy when you're in the conversation. It has a lot to do with, uh, doing some self-work ahead of time around like, how am I feeling about this? Am I in a place where I can even have these conversations? I remember, I mean, after the 2016 elections, my predominant feeling was anger. I was just so angry and I was not about, yeah, you remember about, you know, all these, it wasn't like necessarily a personal anger towards anybody, but I felt so much anger and I wasn't at a place where I could have good conversations with people who thought differently than me. And the right thing to do was probably to avoid some of those conversations. And if that meant that I had to draw some boundaries with people that I hadn't had to previously, I think that was, you know, ultimately the, the right thing to do. Um, and now at this point, you know, four years later, it's been a long four years, but I feel like I am coming more from a place of less anger. I, I'm sad. I'm sad about how politics are dividing, not just our country, but our families um, and the people that we love. But I also can very clearly at this point identify that the most important thing to me is my relationships with these people. Mm-hmm. It always will be. And that's it's sometimes hard to um you know, uh, what's the word align that, I guess, or, um, make that work with the things that I believe. Um, but ultimately what I believe is that people are the most important thing and relationships are the most important thing. And that's something you taught me. Um, so I I love it. I I love it. I really do. Um, one quick question. You can pass on this one. You can say, you know, dad, you've just gone too far. Um, I won't tell you who I voted for. I'm just yeah, right. Like we we don't know. We don't know you. Um, As you make these decisions, um, you were brought up in a home of faith. Talk about how that plays into who you are, and because as people of faith, we can even have different opinions about what's right and what's wrong. How has your faith played a role in in who you are now and in the decisions you make uh, as an adult? politically or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so for me, the, the, the most important part of my faith is having a relationship with a God who embodies love. That's if I can, I don't know. I mean, faith is a big thing to try to like give an elevator pitch for, right. but that would be mine for how, for, for my faith. Um, I think it comes down to personal relationship and it comes down to just love, uh, loving other people, loving God, loving ourselves. Um, and I think that is the lens and, and, you know, that is, that is how I was raised. That is what you and my mom taught me. You taught me that character is important. You taught me that how someone treats other people is more important than what they can accomplish. You taught me that success uh, often is seen in the heart by God and not outwardly by other people. Mm-hmm. So th- those are the things that I was taught to believe in. And I guess I do, I guess I do believe them as it turns out, you did a good job. It stuck. <laughs> um, and that's still what I believe today. And so when I think about my politics, when I think about my worldview, um, I always, my, I try to approach it from a stance of, um, how do I love other people best? How, how, how can I prioritize, uh, other people before I prioritize myself and what I want and what would be Mm. good for me. Mm. Um, I think it is, it totally invalidates my stance of that in that politically though, if I can't also apply that to my personal relationships. Um, it's great for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to vote this way because like, I want to fight for the least of these. And because I believe that, you know, integrity and, and helping less fortunate people, like all these things, and then I can't, you know, ha- have a civil conversation with my family that's full, that, that is respectful. If I can't do that, then it kind of invalidates um, my political stances. So I think that's, wow, you know, that's good. I don't know. I think it's all about just like loving people mm-hmm. mostly. And I don't think that, <laughs> I think politics, let me, little language lesson, poly from the Latin meaning many, ticks meaning blood sucking creatures. <laughs> so... That's not really, that's not true, but that's how I always think about it. Like politics is not a place where we're ever going to be like, wow, I have found the way, like, man, this really resonates as like an ideological truth or path or way to live my life at all. That's not, it's not that it was never intended to be that we need to stop searching for that in our politics and in our political Mm -hmm. party and, um, search for that in the way we live our lives and the choices that we make day to day, not in the choices that our politicians are making day to day for us. So, you know, wow. it's hard. Politics Thank, are hard. Well, it is hard. Upsetting. And it, it is upsetting. It is hard. And, and you did a, a great job of articulating though. I think what we all have to remember, it, it really starts and stops with the relationship. And if we can, how in the world can we say we're this whatever party and we believe right. we're right and we don't apply it to our personal life. We don't apply it to our personal relationships. And uh, it does, it, it begins and ends with, uh, with loving people. So Thank you for that reminder. Right. Um, and I, I really. Uh, oh, I have one more thing that I want to share. Okay. Because I was reading, because I did some research and I was reading this article that was written by, his name is Chris Boss. He's the FBI terrorist negotiator. So that, <laughs> that's the stance I'm coming from is how do I negotiate with a terrorist? <laughs> Great. In that, terms that of how do I have well a conversation with a Republican? <laughs> but <laughs> he did. Thanks. He made Thanks. a good point. He said, uh, understanding and articulating someone else's viewpoint is not agreeing with it. And that's something that I've been trying to remember lies. When you do find yourself, whether you wanted to be or not in these conversations, if you can really seek to be able to under actually understand someone else's viewpoint and then articulate it back to them in a way that they go, yeah, that is, 
that's what I'm saying. So not like, oh, so you're saying that like, you know, you just want blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Don't pose the question like that. But if you can really pose a question in a way that someone's like, yep, that's what I'm saying. That's how you earn trust with people. And that doesn't mean you're agreeing with them. Like you can do that. You can understand someone, validate them, articulate what they're saying without agreeing with it or adopting it as your own conviction or viewpoint. Um, I think a lot of times we feel like by, by understanding and articulating, we're condoning or agreeing or something like that. And I think that's been a helpful, um, that's been a really helpful framework for me going into the holidays is just remembering that if, if I could try to understand and articulate back in a way that they would agree, that's a win. Mm. doesn't mean I agree, but it's a win for the relationship. It means they've been heard. It means they've been heard. And it means I've understood them a little bit better and I have more insight too. So, so so what I wrote down was we can validate the person, but not the point necessarily. We can validate the person by hearing what they're saying, even if we disagree with the point they're making. Right. Right. Like I validate that you want to kidnap this person, (laughs) but I think it's wrong. Right. I'm just kidding. That's not the point <laughs> at all. Uh, let me see. Let me try this. You can validate that you know that I feel so hurt because you changed your name, right? Mm-hmm. But you're still yeah. going to be. But you're still going to keep it, except right. right. You, okay. You're yeah. wrong. Just so you know, you're wrong. <laughs> but I validate that your feelings are hurting. I love That's it. a bad example of how we, how we use that tactic. <laughs> All right. It's been a lot of fun. And it's been, it's been good. We can, I just cherish these conversations that we have because they're helpful to me and I learn and and I grow from you. Um, Incredible daughter, uh, great thinker. So thank you for, for risking um, doing this. I know, I know it was difficult and I know you, you took a huge risk in a a lot of ways and to do it. Anything else you want to say before we turn this corner and, and close this um, bonus episode of crossing the line? No, I just want, um, you know, my, my hope for me and my family and the rest of our country is that we can uh, just continue to look for and validate and love the humans, the humans that are around us and, and use our own humanity to recognize the humanity in other people. And I think that's, what's going to get us through everything that we're going pandemics, (laughs) racial injustices, mass, just all the things and politics. I think just loving people is what we can keep doing. That's what what it comes back to. Um, Thank you, Lauren. I love you. I appreciate you. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Thanks for giving us your time. Yes. For Thanksgiving. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Uh, A conversation with uh, dad and daughter. And dad learned some things. Uh, I did. Uh, And uh, I'm just going to think about what she said about being ready uh, to go into those difficult uh, conversations with those that you care about by uh, limiting your social media access. Just get away from it for for a while and, 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 you know, define what you want to get out of a conversation with someone that you really love. What is it you're trying to do? If you're trying to build trust, that looks very different than if you're trying to convince them uh, to change parties or, or whatever. And then have some um, uh, pre-thought through deflection sentences and, and things that you can suggest and when the conversation gets a little bit intense. I, I think those are were great points. And, and then she, you know, she said, uh, it, it, when someone has a point, it's okay to hear it. It's okay to, to listen and even repeat back what they said that you can validate what the person is saying without agreeing with it. 
you can validate that you heard it. You can let them know that you respect them enough to to listen. And that doesn't mean uh, that doesn't mean necessarily agreeing. But uh, the bottom line to this is relationships are hard. Relationships take work. And I hope that this bonus podcast has helped you to to just make a decision to keep keep on struggling. Uh, keep on pursuing those that you love. Uh, don't give up. Even though it's hard, even though it's frustrating, disappointing, hurtful, uh, you know, I, I challenge you um, not, not by any means to stay in a toxic or, or a harmful relationship physically or emotionally. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying um, relationships with those we love are worth fighting for. And, and they're worth uh, just uh, checking our ego at the door and allowing others to know that we respect them uh, by listening to them. Respect does not mean agreeing with. Respect means I want to honor the relationship and uh, hear what you're saying. So anyway, hope this has been helpful for you today. It's been a a fun conversation for me uh, with my daughter Lauren, and I really appreciate you guys listening in and hopefully taking away some some things that will help you in, in the relationships that you have as you cross the line Uh, from your head to your heart and your heart to your head in order to make a difference in the lives of those that you love.